Welcome to episode four of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, the top five ways to avoid losing your gear while hiking or backpacking. The Summit Gear Review will feature a budget way to keep dry that weighs less than 12 ounces. The Backpack Hack of the Week will show you how to make a dehydrated version of a classic Mediterranean condiment that packs both calories and flavor. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Aristotle. All this, and that's about it, today on The First 40 Miles. So when was your last backpacking or hiking adventure? When's your next one planned? And how do you close the gap between your last adventure and your next adventure? Yeah, I wonder what keeps people away. You know, what what causes those gaps where they go for a long period of time and just can't seem to to find that next day to make it out on the trail? Yeah, I think a lot of times maybe it's, it's hard to get time off for a backpacking trip. You know, you have a lot of responsibilities and to take several days or even a week off is really is really difficult for some people. Yeah, then, you know, also you might look out the window and decide the weather just hasn't been cooperating. Yeah, some sometimes injury can keep you off the trail, especially if you're you're worried about adding to an injury that you're still healing from. Yeah, then there's always uh, you know, the kids have this and that going on and just all those family and home responsibilities that can get in the way. You know, you have one meeting on a Saturday and that blows your weekend for backpacking. <laughs> Yeah, it can be frustrating and it can be hard to close the gap between your last adventure outdoors and your next adventure outdoors. So if you have a hard time getting out, do you have some recommendations for how how we can do a better job of closing the gap? Well, I think start small, first of all. You don't have to go on a long trip every time you go backpacking. Uh, just a mile or two is just fine. You don't even have to go overnight, I guess. I know there's a lot of value in some of these epic trips that people take. People have life-changing experiences, but that's not necessary to have a life-changing experience. You can do one or two miles and still feel the exhilaration and the the peace and just some of those great benefits that come from being outdoors. And anyone who did an epic trip, they probably spent a long time doing lots of smaller trips leading up to that epic trip. That's the one you hear about, but they did a lot to prepare. I guess another thing that you could do if you wanted to just get out a little more often is practice planned spontaneity. So that means keeping your trail shoes by the door having snacks on hand that you enjoy, keep your water bottle ready to go in the fridge, and maybe a printed trail map of the next place that you want to go. Yeah, if your backpacking gear is always ready to grab and go, then that removes one barrier to getting out there because you know you can just grab it, stick it in the car, and you're on your way. So another thing that you could do if you have a hard time closing the gap is just to make it a monthly ritual with your family or with your friends. You know, the once a month hiking trip or every second Saturday with your kids, go out somewhere and just explore. Yeah, just the other day, in fact, we took a little trip with the kids. It was a weekday after school. 
It was only a mile round trip. It was a shakedown trip to get ready for an upcoming backpacking trip that'll be a couple a couple nights, about three days long. And we wanted to make sure that the kids could carry their packs, that they had the right amount of weight, that it wasn't too much for them. And, and just to get out there, make sure we were ready for the weather that we would encounter. So yeah, this was a weekday after school, one mile, it was close to town, close to home. But you know what? It was a great experience. Just in that maybe hour and a half that we were out. In the it, it's winter time, so this time of year the sun sets by five o'clock. So it got dark while we were on the trail. And that presented, I think, one of those magical moments that a lot of people miss when you're out on the trail and it's kind of that dusk time. So we stopped for a little break to uh, give the kids a little treat. And we all kind of sat down and pretty soon we noticed a deer. And this deer was maybe 40 feet away from us. It just came wandering over. It was eating its grass, kind of looked at us once in a while. Pretty soon uh, a buck came along with uh, some small antlers on it. And, and these two deer were just, just feet away from our family here in, in kind of that low light of dusk. And that's an experience we never would have had if we hadn't just taken that short trip, as short as it was. And if we had been afraid of, oh, well, it's too dark, too late, too cold, any of those things. I don't think they'll ever forget having hot chocolate and M&Ms for dinner. That was pretty fun, too. Yeah. And it wasn't even an overnight trip. No. Uh, but we had all our overnight gear. so We did. We were know. testing it all out and yeah. making sure they could carry it. Well, one of the other things that you can do to kind of close the gap between your last adventure and your next adventure is maybe figure out a purpose in going. Maybe figure out if you want to challenge yourself on the trail or clear your mind on the trail or kind of push yourself to a, you know, a certain length. There are lots of purposes that you can have when you go out on the trail. And if you kind of have that in mind, then you can go out with some purpose and and work on closing the gap between your last adventure and your next adventure. So there you go. Close the gap and get out more often than you do now. You'll, you'll feel some great benefits as you get out on the trail. Every hiker and backpacker spends time and mental energy deciding what will and won't go in their pack. And that makes it doubly frustrating when something that made the cut turns up missing. There's a moment of panic, and then the process of retracing your steps begins. Did I have it when we stopped for lunch? Did I put it in my pocket? Did I let someone borrow it? Well, if you want to avoid the frustration of lost gear, our top five list this week will show you how. The top five ways to avoid losing your gear. Number one, the shaker method. The shakers believed that there was a place for everything and everything in its place. So this concept applies perfectly to backpacking. You should have a designated pocket, a predetermined pouch, or a specific stuff sack for everything that goes into your pack. And you can put that item in the same exact spot every single time. So you're never wondering, where did I put my water filter? Or where's my knife? Did I put it in my pocket? Is it in that little pouch in the pack? It's going to be in the exact same place every single time. I'm a big fan of using stuff sacks for different types of gear inside my pack. You know, most packs these days have a large, one large compartment that holds lots of stuff. And everything can get lost in there. But if you just get some stuff sacks, which you can get pretty inexpensively at really any store, then it's really nice to make your pack modular. So I have one stuff sack where I put all my clothes. And then I have a stuff sack for my food and a stuff sack 
uh, that can contain my camping stove. Anything else I can kind of group into those different stuff sacks. So when I open up my pack, instead of having just a whole pile of gear, I have these modular stuff sacks that I can pull out that contain the different categories of gear that I bring. Great. Well, now you know where to put everything away. When do you put everything away? And tip number two is put it away now. Don't set it down for just a minute. An item can get lost so quickly in the dark when you set it here for just a sec, you know, while I grab something else. Also, if you don't put it away right after you use it, items can magically blow away if you set them down for a minute. Umbrellas, famous for just blowing away in the wind. Tarps, maps, ponchos, and even food wrappers. And you don't want to be that guy. Everything needs to have a place and then you need to put it in that place now. Number three way to avoid losing your gear is to do a site check. Every single time you leave a site, whether it's a campsite or a picture taking vista or a river crossing, you need to do a thorough walkthrough or a visual scan of the area just to make sure that you didn't accidentally leave something there while you were, you know, sitting or unpacking or packing. Just make sure that you do a visual scan and walk through. When we were on our hike a couple months ago, we found several things. Camp shoes that were on the trail, um, a brand new GoPro camera case was by the river. I don't consider those things to be trail magic for me to take. I consider that to be trail tragic, and I feel bad for the people who lost their things on the trail. I remember the camp shoes because we found one down by the river. And then about a mile later, <laughs> right there on the side of the trail was a camp shoe. Now, we should have picked up the shoe at the river to prevent litter and taken it with us. And if we had, we would have been rewarded with that second camp <laughs> shoe later on. That's right. I never know what to do when you find just one shoe because you never know which direction the person went. But you're right, to pick up litter. It's considered litter to just leave it there, I guess. Yeah, I guess we weren't sure if they would be back for it. Once we saw the second shoe, we knew that they had given up on that That's right. shoe. So the number four way to avoid losing your gear is no loose gear on your pack. So if you have things hanging off your pack, a tree branch can simply snag your stuff. And tree branches are, are famous for stealing hiking and backpacking gear. Also, sitting down on a rock or on the ground can knock things off your pack or loosen them. In fact, um, while we were on the trail, I was wearing a hat and it got warm, so I just put it inside the pouch on the outside of my pack. And there wasn't a zipper on that pouch, it was just an open pouch. And as I hiked, I guess it just kind of jostled itself out of the pouch and fell on the ground. Luckily, there was someone behind me and they picked up my hat and handed it back to me. If you do have stuff on the outside of your pack, you've got to make sure that it's not going to get in the way, that's not going to snag or, or fall off easily. That's right, and one of the ways that you can do that is to attach your gear with carabiners or with S-beaners. Everything that you buy for your backpacking trip is going to have some kind of little loop on it, so you can attach it with a carabiner, and that just gives you peace of mind when you're bouncing down the trail. The number five way to avoid losing your gear while you are on the trail is to document your gear loans. And that can be a short-term loan, hey, can I borrow your fill-in-the-blank, to a long-term loan where someone loans you their pack for a week. So when you loan out your stuff, 
sometimes it's easy to forget. So what you need to do to document your gear loans is to do one simple thing, and that is if you loan an item to a friend, take a picture of your friend with that item. And this works for short-term loans or long-term loans. And then the minute they return it, simply delete the picture from your phone. And then you have a document of what you loaned, who you loaned it to, and I'm sure if you were really tech savvy, you could probably figure out the exact date and time that you took that picture. Sure, and your camera probably、uh, geocoded it too, so you'll know where <laughs> you loaned it to your friend. Excellent. Yeah, it's just amazing how many times we loan something out and then can't even remember if the person returned it or not. So why not let technology just help you on that one? All right, so let's see if I can remember your top five for keeping track of your、uh, backpacking gear. Have a place for everything. Put it away now, not later. Do a site check whenever you move on. Don't have loose gear hanging off your pack, and document your your loans. Excellent! You're ready for the trail. All right. Well, here on the first forty miles, we created the Summit Gear Review. It's the most comprehensive gear review system for backpacking gear. Summit stands for structure, utility, mass, maintenance, investment, and trial. And today on the Summit Gear Review, we are reviewing the Frog Togs Ultralight Two Rain Gear. Now, this was something that I actually sent out、um, with my 12-year-old son. He went on a, a leadership training camp, and they promised that it was going to rain. So we outfitted him with this Frog Togs Ultralight Two Rain Gear, so that he'd be prepared. Let's start with structure. The rain gear is made of an ultralight, non-woven polypropylene material, and I guess they use a, a patented bilaminate technology. And it has welded seams for complete waterproof protection, so you're not、uh, letting water seep in on those seams. And it has sweat-free breathability. For the closures,、uh, it has a drawstring hood and a front zipper, which is covered. To prevent leakage where the zipper is, and the cuffs are elasticized, so you won't have water dripping in on your wrists. I'll be interested in hearing how the、uh, waterproof breathability worked.、Um, it, you know, with rain gear, it's it's really it's this trade-off between breathability and the level of water protection that you have. And the marketing materials make it sound like there really is rain gear out there that's fully breathable and fully waterproof at the same time. But the reality often doesn't live up to the marketing, so I'll be interested in in hearing how it performed. Yeah, I think that's changing, and I think people are demanding more. I know the waterproof shoes that I tried a few weeks ago were stellar; they were waterproof and breathable. So they must be making some changes in technology, and that's exciting. Utility. This this rain gear comes in adult and youth sizes, and we actually purchased one of the youth sizes, the small youth size. And it fit our six-year-old son perfectly. So that's probably about the smallest you could get was maybe for a five or six-year-old. It doesn't have pockets in it, which I don't feel detracted from its utility because you have pockets in your pants. So if you're gonna, you know, keep a a knife in your pocket or something, you would probably keep it in your hiking pants pocket and not transfer it to your rain gear pocket. So、um, I thought it was fine that it didn't have pockets. The rain gear comes with a stuff sack. Mass. The packaging says it's under 12 ounces. We weighed the youth and we weighed the adult one, and the youth large 
was eight ounces with the stuff sack, which I was amazed because usually when you weigh things, they weigh more than what the package says. So I thought I was pretty impressed with that. And the adult size weighed in at 10.4 ounces. And again, the packaging said under 12 ounces. So that's that's really impressive, especially for rain gear. Rain gear can sometimes be pretty heavy. Uh, the sizing chart on the back of the package, I felt was very accurate and would actually accommodate a wide range of, we'll just say a wide range of widths of people, that the gear was comfortable to put on, it gave enough room for you to be able to fit it over your pants, and also a little bit extra. Maintenance. This rain gear can be repaired with duct tape or gorilla tape, very simple to repair. And then just make sure when you're done using the rain suit that you let it air dry when you're finished with it. Don't put it away wet. Investment. For under $20, you can get a full rain suit for youth and adult sizes. And for just a couple bucks more, you can keep a roll of Gorilla Tape or duct tape in your pack and just have it ready in case you have any repair issues with this rain gear. And I think I forgot to mention that this rain gear is actually two pieces. It's not one big suit that you put on. There's a top piece and then pants. We actually did a trial with our 12-year-old son. He wore this rain suit to a leadership camp that he went to, and they promised that it was going to rain. And so we sent him with this rain suit. You know, when we pulled it out of the package, we thought, oh, wow, this this seems really large. Is this going to fit him? And when he ended up putting it on, it was perfect because it fit over his clothing. He said it was really easy to put on. He wore it the entire time he was there, which it was a two-day camp, and had an issue with the pants seam ripping. So he must have squatted down and it just, you know, ripped there. But the great thing about this suit is that it can be easily repaired. It's not like it's um, nylon where you'd have to stitch it up and then you'd have you know, that issue of water leaking into the seam there. You just have to duct tape it or gorilla tape it. My 12-year-old reported that it was comfortable, it was easy to put on, it stayed dry, and he didn't get hot and sweaty. And I kind of pressed him on that one. I was like, well, didn't it feel like you were wearing a plastic bag the whole time? And he said no, that it was great, he didn't get all sweaty, and you know how 12-year-old boys are, they're pretty active. So he was able to exert some energy and not feel all stuffy. Now I tried on a pair of frog togs as well. I'm a skinny guy, these were huge on me, not too long, just way too baggy. Even considering that I had other clothing underneath, they were just too baggy for me. I I went back and, and went for a different set of rain gear. Keep in mind that sometimes you're out at times of the year where it's fairly cold and you have a lot of gear on under your rain gear. But there are other times it may be raining and fairly warm. Say it's 60 degrees out and raining. When you're out on the trail backpacking, uh, you're going to get really warm in 60 degree weather, and you're going to have just your hiking pants and shirt on under that rain gear to try to stay cool enough. So I would be interested in seeing how the rain gear performs in the summertime as well, or in that the warm rain mm-hmm. conditions. That's where it can be a lot more likely that, that you start to get the sweat build up, and it just can't evaporate it out quickly enough while retaining a waterproof barrier. I mean, there's just water on both sides and and you're going to get wet. But, you know, we'll wait till summer and see how it goes. That sounds good. I'm always up for a trial run. 
One other thing I did want to say about the frog togs is they have a great selection of sizes. So just because Josh found one that was too puffy on him, too big, um, we could have tried another size, but he opted to try another brand. We actually purchased frog togs for the rest of our family. And we have a camping trip coming up where we will definitely put them to use. The forecast calls for rain. They <laughs> promised so rain. <laughs> we will all be wearing our rain gear all week. That's right. Well, maybe you're a backpacker on a budget, or maybe you're just a do-it-yourself geek. I'm a little bit of both, and I love to save money and use my creativity to make something useful. So this week, the backpack hack of the week is do-it-yourself instant pesto. So one of the popular high-calorie items on the trail is peanut butter. And if you're a little bit trail-weary of peanut butter, then pesto is an incredible option for you. Pesto is a spread or a dip that's made with basil, parmesan cheese, and garlic. And if you're high class, then you can add pine nuts. Pine nuts are typically $20 a pound, so it's not usually something that uh, most people add. But if you're lucky enough to be on a trail that has pine nuts, then go ahead and you can add those too. So this is a backpacking version of pesto. It's lightweight and it's easy to make on the trail. So what you're gonna do is you're going to mix together before you leave, one tablespoon of dried basil, one tablespoon of Parmesan cheese from the green can, so not shredded from a block, but just the craft from the can stuff, and one fourth teaspoon of garlic powder. So when you're ready to make it on the trail, what you're gonna wanna do is add a teeny bit of water to rehydrate the basil. Just wait a minute until it's kind of soft, and then you add one tablespoon of olive oil. Now, a lot of backpackers like to pack olive oil with them. I realize it's kind of a risky thing to pack, you know, a bottle of oil, but you can also pack some Subway oil packets, and you can just pick those up from your local Subway restaurant, and those have about a teaspoon of oil per package. So you'll just ask them for three packages before you head out on the trail, and have those ready to go. So once you've made the pesto, once you've added the olive oil, mix it up really well, and then it pairs perfectly with some squished pita bread from the bottom (laughs) of your pack and some pepper-crusted salami. That sounds good to me. So you've got a tablespoon of dried basil, a tablespoon of powdered Parmesan cheese, a quarter teaspoon of garlic powder mixed all together, and when you're ready, mix in with a tablespoon of olive oil or three olive oil packets from the sandwich shop. That's right. And you're ready to go. Yeah, you can add a teeny bit of water before you add the oil just to rehydrate the basil. It's not necessary, but if you like a really nice consistency, that's the way to go. Okay, and with the Parmesan cheese and the olive oil in the mix here, this results in a great high calorie snack. You're coming in at about 150 calories per ounce, which is terrific. Oh, it's amazing. And there you go. That's do-it-yourself instant pesto. We'll leave you with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, the Greek philosopher and scientist, Aristotle. So we're keeping with a Mediterranean theme this week, aren't we? We're going to have some Italian pesto and some Greek philosophy. That's right. He says... In all things of nature, there is something of the marvelous. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, like us on Facebook, The First 40 Miles. See you next time on The First 40 Miles. (laughs) ¶¶